Jackson on our um, on the Libra list for Proverbs two two six. Yeah, I, you know, I don't know that Kenneth. Um, I don't think he had a family. He had children. You know, he had sisters and brothers. I think Kenneth went to um, prison at a young age, and I, I don't think he had any children. Okay. okay. You know, I, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not absolutely sure about that. I, I don't think he does, but, um, you this know, the has a 14-year-old son. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure. You know, I'm not sure because, you know, it's been a while since I've even seen these children, so. Okay. And it could okay. very well. But his, his name is Kenneth. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. I just wanted to check the list to see whether he was a member of Proverbs 226. Okay. 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 Um, Kind Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this day. We are so grateful for having you in our lives. And we also, God, just lift up the praise report that we heard earlier before I started to pray. And Father, we love you and we thank you. Teach us to trust you. Oh, yes, God. When we can't see the way you are working things out for us. Tender the devil from bringing guilt, unbelief, as you are doing. Because you are not doing unbelief things. So we praise you, God, right now, God, for all of the good things that you have done mm-hmm. for us, our family mm-hmm. member, and everybody in the world. Yes, and forgive Lord. us, Lord, if we have mm-hmm. done anything wrong to hurt mm-hmm. any, anyone. Forgive us, Thank Lord. Yes, and Lord. God, continue mm-hmm. to bless the overseer of this mm-hmm. ministry, Ms. Jackson, mm-hmm. and the other ladies who are helping him. Continue to bless them, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus. And God continue to put a shield and protection around every one of us on Proverbs 226 and our children, grandchildren, family member, that no one will get any backlashes from these prayer, neither from the prayer prayer um, blessing report. Yes, and God, Lord. we just thank you for yes. everything you have done for us yes. in the past and going to do for us in the future. Prepare our heart and mind to receive your rhema word on this morning. Yes, and Father, Lord. I'm covering myself, the listener, our family member with the blood of Jesus, that yes. he will not get any backlashes from this prayer. Hallelujah. And thank you, Father. Oh, Baba Shah. Thank you, Father, for bringing these inmates, no longer inmates, Lord, but bringing these family members back to their family member. Lord, I remember those times. I remember those times, God. But the same way how you were good to me and others, I want the family member to know that you're going to be the same thing for them and their children. And, God, we just thank you and we give you all the praises and honor. And, Father, always, God, Continue to bless the overseer over this ministry. Meet his need, meet his family need, and give him and his family favor with everyone that they need favor with. 
In Jesus' yes, name we pray. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, fill every one of our hearts, Father God, just like how Miss Susan prayed this morning, that you will just like fill our hearts this morning, Father God, with your presence and with your glory, Father God. Let us feel the presence of the Holy God this morning. As as Miss Susan lifted up everyone, Father God, Father, this morning, we are just asking you to intervene in every situation, Father God, every situation, every circumstance, Father God. Come into our lives this morning, Father God. This is a moment that we have taken to just like a praise God for what God has done. And uh, so if there is any praise or a testimony that you want to share, glorifying God for the edification of the church, you know, I want you to encourage someone who's probably going through some rough time with uh, mm-hmm. what you are bringing to the table. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Earlier this morning, Ms. Colette talked about, uh, you know, her son, Ryan, coming home and in the next couple of days um, or so, her son will no longer be a resident of SCDC. And, uh, you know, this is a a mom's cry and a praise at the same time. It is a joy, you know, of like bringing him home. And uh, what was so joyful about this is like, uh, you know, not only that Colette is feeling this way this morning, but when we started this journey, about like, a, you know, eight, nine years ago in yeah. Proverbs 2 to 6, the South Carolina had 25 prisons and they had about 26,000 inmates. Mm-hmm. That's how many people were serving time in South Carolina prisons, right? But fast forward to eight, nine years, South Carolina today doesn't have 25 prisons. They have 21 prisons. Not only those four prisons were closed, the number of inmates has come down from 26,000 inmates to 15,500 inmates. That means like over 10,500 of those collects were made happy because yes. God is done with yes. having Ryan's in SCDC. Yes. And yes. he is bringing home the Ryan's back into the lives of their moms, into the lives of their children, into the lives of their wives, into the lives of their grandkids. There yes, is Lord. a God who yes, says, Lord. I am Thank done you, with Jesus. atrocities that yes. has happened Thank to these Jesus. men and women, and they don't no longer need to wear Thank the gray khaki shirts or pants any longer yes, because they're coming home and not going back Thank into you, prison. Praise God. More prisons are going to close. People mm. asked me, people were saying yes, to me, Cyril, there is no mention of Proverbs 2 to 6 anywhere in this. I don't really care. Amen. I don't really God care. Knows. God knows. That's right. God knows what is happening. Yes. You know, two days yes. ago, the, the senator from North Carolina, you know, I don't even know his name right now, 
has called someone and asked if he can talk to me. Because what we have done in South Carolina, they want to see yeah. that done in North Carolina as well. He has said there are 53 prisons in North Carolina. We want to bring Thank that thing Jesus. down. I've gone through all the 53, and I want to see what can we do. And so they have yeah. sent Thank an invitation you, to the state senate to ask what can we do in North Carolina. Yes, I'm so telling you this morning, that number of prisons in North Carolina, a state like North Carolina cannot have 53 prisons. A state like Texas cannot have over 110 prisons. A state like, Jesus. you know, California cannot have over 600,000 children with their father yes, and mother yes. serving time in prison. This situation has to turn down. And my the Father conference. in heaven is saying this morning to today to us that yes. he will change the circumstance. He will oh, change yes. the trajectory of yes, these Lord. cities and he will bring the Ryans back home in yes. Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord, and thank you, Cyril. Thank you so much. 
Thank you so much for this vision, Cyril, because there are so many mothers and grandmothers out here with tears in their eyes that don't know which way to turn. And I didn't know which way to turn. I didn't. But the Lord knew that I needed to turn and turn towards him to get through it. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. I mean, um, that wasn't the first year we came to Charleston or that Ashley Prostrate, Miss Collette. I do not know whether Sabrina is on this line this morning. Thank you, Lord. I'm here. I'm here. The year before, I traveled with Sabrina to this very same church with like a two cars full of people. And we came there towards Charleston when there was a hurricane was coming towards Charleston. And we had well over 100 school bags that we packed and brought it in. And that year, we did not even see one child show up to pick up. But this morning, I'm praising God God. for the strength that yeah, God gave, God. even God. when nothing was there, Amen. God said, like, this is Thank my you. vision. You need yes. to show up in this place yes. one more time, and the next Look time, and the third time, because yes. God is not, you know, done with his vision, and Amen. he is out there doing this even today. Yes. No. Hallelujah. And zero. And zero. Yes. Zero. We have... We have we have heard so many testimonies from mothers like me, Colette and Ms. Sarah. Every time we make a call, you know, they are so grateful for this program, yes. so grateful. Yes. And they don't fail to let us know, you know, that they are so grateful Amen. for caring Amen. about their children and caring about the person that's incarcerated, yes. their sons and their daughters, you know. Hallelujah. They just thank us over and over again. I've got letters from it. Mm. Uh, and I'm going to send you these letters, Cyril. I've got letters from, I think we were at, I think it was Libra for the, not Libra, one of those prisons we had gone to. And these families wrote letters of appreciation as to how much they had, yes. how much we had changed their lives that particular day and how much, how much mm. that day meant to them. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. just get testimonies after testimonies. Mm-hmm. We'll never yeah. know everybody that we've touched. Amen. But in the meantime, while we're here, God's letting us know that we're on the right Jesus. track, that we are his yeah. hands and feet, and that he's pleased, Amen. you know. Amen. God, Thank even you. Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Amen. Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Y'all got the book bag call, but I got a call, and the only thing I understood was foot washing, and I knew the importance of foot washing. So I traveled three and a half miles to take my grandchildren to that foot washing, and I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. Three and a half hours, not three and a half miles, three and a half hours. Three and a half hours, that's right, three and a half hours. I said, I've got to take my children to this. If he's going to wash my baby's feet and ask for forgiveness, I don't want them to miss that because I knew that they needed that. I knew they needed that. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, you, Jesus. Hallelujah. This situation will change in the Thank state you, of Texas, but this morning yeah, we claim yeah. the, 
that yeah. every city in Texas, uh, that Houston yes, will no longer be the number one city in the world yes, to incarcerate people. That, Hallelujah. you know, the nation oh, of America yes, cannot afford to have this many people oh, yes. spending time behind the bars. My God will change the trajectory yes. of this nation. And Thank he will you, bring Jesus. home the fathers. He will bring home the mothers. Thank he will Lord. bring home the sons. He will bring Thank home you, the husbands. Yes. Thank, you, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to mute the line this morning to just go into the word. The conference has been muted. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before your throne of grace this morning. Father, give us the the clarity in words today that it would come out and speak to us, Father God in a special way this morning. Father, I pray that every listening ears and every listening heart, Father God, will be calmed and that they will be receiving this and we will be receiving this word from you this morning, Father God. That it will go into the parts of our bodies and the hearts and every cluster of our blood and just like it give a new source of energy Father God, this morning. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We surrender ourselves into your mighty hands. In Jesus' name. Good morning, good morning, good morning, everyone. This is a beautiful Sunday morning. And, um, you know, this morning, um, I I just wanted to a little bit recap um, into, like, what we have done this last several weeks. We have uh, studied over the names of the Lord. It is nothing, I mean, it's not like we have so many gods. It's like the one God with so many attributes that just like flows from him. You know, the the, the whole study of the God's name is not to know his name, uh, not to, 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 to have this fancy titles for this, but to know the, the, the revelation of God because Knowing God will take millions and millions of years. Mm-hmm. And I know that we won't be satisfied or done on this earth, but the small glimpse of knowing his attributes will make us get stronger in our everyday walk, make us stronger in our prayer walk, make us stronger in our everyday challenges mm-hmm. that we are trying to face. God will just like, you know, nudge the spirit of yours and mine and reminding us who he is. Because sometimes it's really hard for us to remember all the verses in the Bible Mm -hmm. to just like a quote it. There are some people who have the skills to quote every verse in the Bible, but Mm -hmm. some of us may not have the, the, the memory to just remember every single verse in the Bible, but we can call upon the name of the Lord because the Bible says that righteous will run to it. He is mm-hmm. a strong tower that they will, there is a, a place of refuge that we can go to. This is the secret place that David went. This is the mm-hmm. same place where Daniel went. They found themselves safe when they knew the characteristics and the names mm-hmm. of the Lord. Yeah. Last week, 
you know, Miss Katina reminded us about like the 950 titles that God has. That's only the ones that we know that we can track. There are so many that we don't know that we will never know until we get to see him. So here we have done a study on Elohim. That just comes, that's the first name that we saw in Genesis chapter 1 when he created the earth. He is the creator God. He doesn't pass things when things go wrong. He creates something new. He is not willing to patch Ryan's life. He wants to make Ryan's life new. He wants to create George's life new. He wants to create, you know, Cyril's life new. He doesn't want to patch what is broken. He will just like say, let me done with that one. I'm just going to create something new. Only he can create something from nothing. Amen. You know, we saw the Adonai next. He's not only the creator God, but he is the master and the ruler. The Bible says that heaven and earth adores him. Can you imagine? Everything in this earth that we see outside adores him. They are waiting out there just to do what the creator is about to tell them to do. If we are walking out and there is a rain, my God can tell the rain, stop, my son is now getting into the car. How many times we have seen, we're going somewhere, the traffic is bad, or, or there is like a, 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 a things that are just like a broken on the streets, or even the weather condition is not good. My God mm. can save you and me because he is the ruler. He is the master over everything. Yes. We saw El Shaddai, all-sufficient God, when Abraham was struggling with three of his sins that he did not know that how can he get out of this thing? And God says, no problem. I am not the God of the past. I'm the God of the future. I'm not the God of yesterday. I'm the God of the tomorrow. I'm the mm-hmm. God of the future. I know you have made mistakes. I'm the God of second chances. You don't need to worry about what happened yesterday because mm-hmm. I am done with yesterday. I'm interested in your tomorrow. Yes. Then we saw him on the Father's Day. Abba, Father. He's our source. He's our sustainer. He's our defender. We never can get out of that fact that he's our Father. There's nobody that can just like abandon us, you know, and just like leave us in some place where they think that we don't have a father to care for this morning. Timothy came and talked to me about a boy who just like a, was kicked out of his house and his grandmother, and he was almost in tears asking, can we do something about it? I know that as, as a boy, he's just like a crying out for this friend of his. And, and I'm a father just like a listening to this, a carnal man like me, 
was just like a feeling tugged in my heart. How much more the Heavenly Father will be feeling for you and me when we call upon Him, Abba, Father. I do not know what to do. My business is broken. My family is broken. My marriage is broken. Dad, I don't know what to do. How much more that Heavenly Father is going to show up in your life and my life. Hallelujah. Then we saw El Roi, the God who sees. When Hagar was in the desert, she didn't know what to do. She was running away from her master because she could not take it. And God found her in the desert. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says God, the angel of the Lord, found her in the desert. We can run anywhere that we want to go, any direction, but God will find you and me and bring you back home. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. Then we saw mm -hmm. Jehovah Nisi, our good friend, you know, Stendhal showed up two weekends ago and he talked about how he is the banner. When Moses was on the mountain, when they were fighting against the Amorites, God carried his banner and brought the victory. As long as his hands were higher, that the children of Israel were winning. And then he looked at this God and said, it's not my hands, it's his banner. I won the victory. Last week, Islamist Katina talked about Jehovah Shalom. He is the God of our peace. He is, nobody can make a peace with you and me like he does. You know, I heard that somebody say, I'm a negotiator for SEDC when there is like a, 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 a situation, a conflict occurs, or there is like a lockdown. I'm a negotiator. Uh, for the SCDC, I was thinking to myself, uh, how much more is my negotiator in heaven making peace with me and removing me from the hands of the enemy and bringing me back home? He would make peace with me even if I have willingly given my rights to be the son to the father and run into the enemy's court or his stronghold, God says, the moment you make peace with me, I will break down the strongholds for you. And today morning, we're going to look at another title, which is a compounded title. It's called Jehovah Jireh. There is a beautiful song that, that talks about Jehovah Jireh, my provider, his grace is sufficient for me. If you get a chance, I want you to listen to that song. Every time I listen to that song, it just does something to my heart. And my prayer this morning is that as we go through understanding who that Jireh is, that we will remember Jehovah Jireh in our life when we are in a desperate situation looking for a provision in our life. I want you to turn with me to... Genesis chapter 22. This is the first place where this name or this title was given. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 22. I'm going to read. Just to get the context, I'm going to read from verses 1 to verses 14. 
okay? And we will probably travel a little bit later in that chapter as well. So Genesis chapter 22. Sometime later, God tested Abraham the fate. Abraham, God calls. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Some of the translation says to the Mount Moriah, okay? Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. The next morning, Abraham got up early. Probably he didn't want to wake up Sarah to let her know that her son is going to be sacrificed, right? So the next day morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, so God did not say like a go to the next day, the, the next uh, mountain that is closer to them. It took them three days to journey through to get to this point. It's so funny this morning, Miss Brenda talked about like a how it's not funny, like a how she was talking about three and a half hours, mm-hmm. like this three days, right? They were trying to go up to this mountain. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servant. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there, and then we will come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulder while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As, as the two of them walked to, on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, we have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. When they arrived at a place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up his knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the son, on the boy, the angel said. Don't 
hurt him in any way. For now I know you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. And Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horn in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in the place of his son. Abraham named the place Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use this use that name as a proverb on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided praise the Lord amen so here there are a few things we will first look at this particular story and we will learn and then I also have like a few applications I'm hoping that we will just like you know grasp today for some reason if we are not able to get through today we will extend it to next week Okay, so I'm not going to rush this to complete what God has downloaded, okay? So what is the significance of this event that God is taking him through? Because this trial makes no sense. Why? Because there are a lot of conflicts in this passage, okay? First of all, God's asking to sacrifice a son whom he was waiting for for over 100 years, right? Mm-hmm. Abraham has been, has been waiting. This is, it doesn't make sense if he's going to make Abraham a nation of his own and this only son that is left there is going to be the next generation. How can God ask that boy to be sacrificed, right? It makes no sense. It's almost like this child sacrifice that God is asking for, right? The second conflict in this trial is that, 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 that how can Abraham go tell the servants that he has actually picked up from Egypt to let him know, my God is no different than your God. He's taking everything that I have. It's a social conflict that Abraham would have just like a fought over in his head. But the most important conflict that I saw in the story is emotional conflict that Abraham must have gone through that morning. Why? Because after all these years, I got a son, now I'm walking him to the morning. Think about it this way. If God is asking your son to be sacrificed, so how do I just translate this into something that we can agree? If you have a son or a daughter, that is sick and, and it's got a terminal illness today, we would transfer our life for them. We would, we would be ready to give our life for their life. There are so many times like a men across this nation, when we go into the labor ward and our wife is struggling to just like a push that baby out, we really want to transfer ourselves to be that wife and just push the baby for her because we want to do everything for them. We don't want to see them get hurt, right? And that's probably what Abraham was going through that morning when he was walking his son. He would have said, God, let me be that one that will lie down 
I'm already old. I've, I've seen enough. Spare my son. Please let me transform myself in that role. That's the kind of conflict Abraham must have had. But look at it in the verse 5 in this chapter. He says to his servant, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we'll come back. How do we worship God and God doesn't make sense? Have you ever thought of it? Like when, when we are hurting inside, worship becomes harder and harder. We don't even know, you know, this is already worse. How will I get, give thanks to God when I'm actually having to deal with the, my broken marriage? He must have worshipped God with tears that morning. His tears must have tasted salty, but he remembered that he is serving a God who is faithful and who would not tell him to go sacrifice his own son without a reason. He was obedient. Later in the book of Hebrews, the Bible says that his faithfulness was, was counted on as a righteousness for him. And the, the, the second point that I want to say before we go on to the second one, the first one, like, a, you know, just to, to linger a bit longer. I want you to remember this. There is no situation that God cannot handle. Amen. There is no situation that God hasn't addressed in your life or my life or in the past 2,000, 4,000, 6,000, 8,000 years ago, what we are going through is not too difficult for him. He is mm-hmm. the God of this universe, and he controls everything. And so when we go into the situation like the tough things that are happening to us, know this for sure, that he is able. Mm-hmm. He is able. So the second thing that I noticed in the story is that when he went to the place where he was called to go, right? And the thing is that even his own son is asking him, Father, there is, there is wood and fire. Where is the sheep? And he was saying, God will provide. God will provide a sheep as a burnt offering. So the second thing that I want to say is that when you go through the tough times in your life, some of the toughness that you're going through are challenges that you go through. Only God can lead you out of that situation. Mm-hmm. There is no money that can solve the problem. There is no help that the world can offer The world will say, let's hire some strategists. Let's hire some marketing people. Let's hire some people that can help us. No, 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 no. There are certain issues and situations that's not going to leave your life or my life unless God intervenes into that situation. The number three thing that I learned in this whole thing, story is this. We have to take God seriously in our life. Oftentimes, we are not taking God seriously. 
Abraham was so faithful, he picked his knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment in time, the angel of the Lord says, calls him, Abraham, Abraham. Don't lay your hands upon your son or your boy. The angel said, do not hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. You truly recognize, you truly are serious about me. You did not withhold from me even your own son, your only son. God wants to know whether we take him seriously. Every one of us, right, has Isaacs in our life that we cannot give up. There are things that we will never let go. There are businesses that we don't want to go, let go. There are cars, there are houses, there are possessions of this world we don't want to let go. But God will test our love for him by calling out our Isaac. He wants to know whether we are committed to him only when we are in a church setting like this or when no one is looking, when the, when the whole stadium is empty and you're walking inside that stadium, will you still behave the same way and take him seriously? He wants to know whether you are committed to him inside the church as well as outside the church. Many of us would have quit when we reached the mountain. God, I've done everything I can. God, you asked me to go there, but God, this is too hard for me. Please forgive me. And we would have walked home. Some of us would have gone all the way to the altar and looked at our son's face and said, God, I cannot do this. This is my son. God, you might have to give like some other way. And we would have quit at the altar. Some of us would have quit before sharpening our knife. Some of us would have stopped and quit and walked away even before we had a chance to listen to the angel's voice. God wants us to know, how serious are you about me? Before God answers our prayer, he wants to know whether we will go all the way for him. A lot of times we think, oh, God is not doing this for me. God is not doing that for me. God, I'm waiting on God for doing this. But on the other hand, God will be saying, I'm actually waiting on you to give up your Isaac. Who's your Isaac today? Who's your Isaac? Ask God that question to reveal that Isaac in your life. What is that you're putting above God? You know how we can find that out? It's very easy for us to find out if you go to your bank statement and look at the bank statement and see where you spent your money the last six months you will see who appears or what appears in the bank statement is your Isaac. 
If you have put that Isaac above God, then that's when the problem is, is just unresolvable. God is saying, I'm waiting. I'm willing to heal. I'm willing to restore. I'm willing to give you back what you have lost. But are you ready to give up your Isaac? And that's why, in, you know, this, this word Jaira also means two meanings. To see, Jaira means to see and to provide. Okay? The word provision actually comes from the root word vision. Right? That's why provision. Right? God has this vision for your life and my life. You know? So he wants to provide for you and me. That provision starts with God seeing our life first. In the book of Genesis, chapter 12, it says, I will make you a great nation. It is a promise that God gave to Abraham. I will make you a great nation. In chapter 15, he says, I will make you a great nation. And chapter 17, he says, I will make you a great nation. All those are promises that God had for Abraham. God has already told Abraham, this is what I'm going to be doing for you. Right? But look at the verse in Genesis chapter 22. After what Abraham has done for the Lord, here's what the Lord saying in verse 16. On chapter 22, he says, the Lord says, that is what the Lord says, because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your son, your only son, I swear to you by my own name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number like the stars in the sky and the sand in the seashore, your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies. God turns the promise into an oath. Right? When he talks about the promises in Genesis chapter 12, 15, and 17, God's talking about what he's about to do. Right? The, the promises are conditional. Promises are not time-bound. But when he says, I swear by my own name, God is saying, I'll take it from here. Let me fulfill my promise. Let me fulfill my commitment. This is an oath. This morning, I'm here to tell you, don't block the name of the Lord to function in your life. Because you are not ready to let go of your Isaac, it could be the Isaac that is blocking your vision, blocking your provision, blocking your promises. God says, I'm waiting here. I'm capable. I'm able. I'm ready to turn my promise into an oath. God God wants to know if we take him seriously to let go of everything. This morning, my prayer is for you and me to not delay what God wants us to do by our wavering spirit. Don't let the, the, the inner man saying to you, ah, that is too difficult for you to do. 
oh, or, or you have only this much of money this, this month. You may not have enough money to give it to your church. You may not have the, the money the, the, to pay your bills if you're paid this tithe. And God says, I want to know, will you give up your Isaac and trust me to turn around? I want to see the Lord show the ram that's caught in the thicket today for you and me. God that we worship is the God who provides. There are four things. I see that there's a pattern in which God works. When he deals with the children of God, there are four ways that God provides. And that's why we should not take any provision for granted. Right? When we see that, that God provides, he provides through four means, and that's why we need to recognize these four means in which God provides. Number one, he will make the provision through another man or a woman. Okay? And the thing is this, a lot of times our pride steps in, and there's so many times it has, you know, creeped into my own life, and I'm sure to some of you, oh, I'm not going to ask this person I, 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 you know, this pride just like steps in and says that, you know, this is, this is too hard for you. The God of this universe can use any means to bring the provision that you and I need. And a lot of times, he will use the man to provide the provision. You know, in Genesis chapter 45, verses 7, through, 7 and 8, it says, uh, this is talking about Joseph. Uh, and uh, his conversation with his brothers. At this point, Joseph is a prime minister of Egypt, right? And God has blessed him with all the provisions. And so here is what the Bible says in verse 7 of Genesis 45. It says, God sent me before you. Here's what Joseph is saying. God sent me before you to make sure that your people will keep living on the earth. Now many of you will be saved. So it is not you who sent me here, but God, he has made me a father to Pharaoh and the ruler of all his house and all of the land of Egypt. What is he saying? Sometimes God takes, you know, pride in blessing his children you know, through a blessing that he has done to somebody else. Mm-hmm. We have this a prayer line that we, we, we um, uh, you know, have uh, people come and pray, right? We created this prayer line. And the way that prayer line has grown over the months is this. Every time somebody asks me for a prayer, I put their name on that prayer line and the prayer item that they are asking to pray. And there are so many people jump in to pray for them, and then they get blessed by it. And then the next time somebody else is asking for prayer, they will then jump in to pray for because they have tasted the love of the Father. They have tasted something that God has given to them. They have seen God provide for them because of somebody who prayed for them. So now they are praying forward for somebody else. 
And that's what God is looking for. You know, when he does, you know, give it to you and me, we should not be picky on, you know, even, you know, looking at who is providing that resource. It could be stranger because God used Pharaoh to bless the Hebrew boys, right? In the book of Luke, chapter 6, verses 38, it says, Give, give, and it will be given to you. God says, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Don't worry about the business deal that fell through or the marriage that has gone through a rough time or the child that is just like a left home or the person who thought you will help has abandoned you because they're not the one who decides who needs to give you that resource. They are not the one who's going to take and save you from that situation. When you wake up in the morning, claim this verse as a promise, the Luke 6.38, because after you give something that you had, know this for sure, it is a promise that God says, I will make sure somebody is going to show up in your life to give you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over your bosom. God says, you know, I have the resources in my hand. I said this yesterday in, in the call um, we had as well um, about an incident. There's so many incidents that I could think of this morning, but I just wanted to reiterate the same situation. One morning, I, was, I woke up at 2 a.m. in the morning, and I was crying out to God because the next day we had to pay the fees for five students that are going into USC Columbia. Right? USC Columbia is a little rough college to deal with because, you know, if you don't pay them, they will stop these children from taking the exam or they will stop these children from, you know, coming into their classrooms. So it was just like, God, I've done everything that I can. I just don't know. And I was crying out to God that night, asking him, God, send me a resource. Send me a raven. Send me something. God, I just don't know what I can do. And then I had no idea at what point during that morning I slept because I was crying saying, God, I don't know. I've done everything I can. Just like Abraham would have cried that morning, God, I've done everything I can. So I cried and slept. And the next day morning, I was supposed to meet this guy named Winslow. And, and, and I was there in that uh, panita bread waiting. And somehow, because the timing, he missed it, the timing. And so... He, he, he stood me up in that restaurant, and I'm sitting down doing some work. And there was this guy sitting on a distance, and he's looking at me as if he knows me, right? And then a few minutes later, he just walks over to me, and he says, aren't you Cyril? And I said, yeah. And he said, like, you came and preached in my church. I said, oh, Good. And we are conversing, we're talking to each other. While we were talking to each other, 
there was somebody else who was passing by this guy. And this guy that was passing by, right, knows this man that was talking to me. And he, so he stops this new man, another stranger that morning. He's stopping him and he's saying, hey, Steve, this is Cyril. This guy has a ministry called Proverbs 36. And he goes on talking about Proverbs 36 to Steve. And right at that moment, Steve said, I cannot believe. I woke up at 2 o'clock in the morning. Mm. For some reason, I woke up at 2 o'clock. And uh, that was impressing on my heart to find a good ministry to sow some seeds. And I didn't say anything to him. I didn't say that I needed money for the five children that were going to USC. And at the end of the conversation, he gave me a card and he said like a, Cyril, call my admin and tell her that you want to see me today. Okay. And so by 12 o'clock midday, I called and I went to meet him that afternoon. And this man happens to you. Only then I knew this is Steve Thomas of Lyndon Thomas's company. They own several buildings in the city of Charlotte. He's one of the richest guys in Charlotte who controls $1.8 billion of Charlotte money. And he wrote a check that day that paid for these five children that are going to USC. What am I saying? When you cry out to God, Mm. God is not going to be quiet. He's going to wake up somebody at the very moment that you're crying out. And he's going to talk to them about the same thing that you're talking to him. You don't need to pick up and call somebody to have your help. I learned that day that all I need to do is tell God what I want and God will talk to somebody. And send that research. Sometimes God's going to make things happen for you through man and woman that you have no idea who they are, that they will show up in your life. And the second one that God will use is your own hands that God will use to make the provision happen. Sometimes it is easy. This is one of the things that, you know, we probably are asking for help outside, not realizing you already have enough potential and resources at your own disposal. In Exodus chapter 8, verses, I'm sorry, chapter 1, verses 8 through 10, it's talking about a new king that has come over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to the people, look, the, 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 the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than thee. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them lest they multiply, and it happens in the event of war that they also join our enemies and fight against us. So go up out of the land. So here is like after 70 years, Pharaoh took care of, for 70 years, the, the, the king of Egypt was taking care of the children of Israel, but now a new king shows up, and he did not know Joseph, and he cut off the resources suddenly, from the children, the children of Israel. There are some times that you and I are going to be in a situation where every resource is cut off from us. 
when every resource is cut off from your hand and my hand, we need to get on our knees and cry out to God. That's the best resource that you have in your hand right now. When, when everything is, that is around us is not clicking, you know, it is, it is, it is so hard for us, you know, to think like that when everything is going well. But when everything is not going well, we will never take God lightly. In the life of Elijah, in the first Kings chapter 17, it's talking about ravens were sent. Raven was sent to feed Elijah. Raven is one bird which will not share food with anyone. But here, God uses raven to feed Elijah. And the river or the stream or the brook, those are three words that are used in the Bible. So the river was flowing. Everything was going well. Suddenly, the brook dried up. What do you do when your business dries up? Your source is lost. The brook in this, in this story of Elijah, the brook is only a system where God is the source of that system. Your business is only a system, but God is still the provider. Your work is still a system, while God is still your employer. Your marriage is only a system where God is a restorer. And, and here's what God is saying. When, when everything dries up in your life, right, God is saying, I am still out there waiting for you and me. Use the resources in your life. I've heard the complaint uh, in, Gen- in Exodus chapter 16, verses 12 to 16 here, you know, the children of Israel were complaining and complaining about like a how they don't have food. And God opens up the heavens and shows them manna. And not only that, they were then complaining, oh, we don't have meat. Then he sent them quail from, from the heavens. And the, the people, when they saw manna, they were asking uh, Moses, what is it? That's what manna means. What is it? Right? But they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, this is the bread which God has given to you to eat. This is the thing which the, God, the Lord has commanded. Let every man gather it according to each other's need. In the wilderness, right, God was providing for these children of Israel manna for 40 years. That's why Paul, when he writes in the book of Philippians, he says, My God shall supply my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ mm-hmm. Jesus. Supernaturally, you will receive the help. Right? IRS may send you a check today. <laughs> right? There are times that only God can help you. The, the, the word Jehovah Jireh means he sees and he provides. God sees you. What, he, what does he see when he sees you? Right? The Bible says like a, he sees us. We saw even before the God who sees. When, when uh, you know, Hagar was, was in the desert, she was saying 
He's a God who sees me, right? What does God see in you when he sees you from heaven? This morning, when this thought was just going in my head, I was just crying. I was telling Vince earlier today as well, I said that I was just crying when this thought was going over. What will God see in me? Will God see a fearful, afraid person? Will God see me as a person who's hurting the back? Or will God see me as a person who needs help with the business? Or will God see me as a person who needs help with, with, with his, um, you know, his children? No. God will never see us as we see ourselves. Right? When God sees us, right? When we read in this chapter, when, when, when uh, Abraham looked up to the heaven, right, looking for help, the Bible says when Abraham looked up to the heaven, he saw the ram stuck in the thicket. Whenever we see God, you know, and we think God from our angle, we are not seeing God from his angle. When God sees you and me, he's not going to see the drama in our life, but instead he will only see the ram that is stuck in the thicket. When we look up to him this morning, he will show the ram that is stuck in the thicket. Don't ever think that God doesn't see you. He's a God who sees. God will use you to, to feed you. First, first thing is like a God will, will you know, use men to provide for you. The second thing is like a God will provide through his own hands. Only God can solve this problem. That's what we have seen as the second one. He will, he will, he will not leave somebody else to solve your problem. He is Jehovah Jireh. He will solve your problem. That's what we saw. How he can send manna and quail from heaven. He is the provisioner of every resource. And then the next one is like a God can use your hands and legs to, to, to take care of your needs. When, when we see the story of Ruth, right? Her husband dies and her mother-in-law, Naomi, takes her to this place, a foreign land, where she was a stranger. And everyday job for Ruth was to go and pick up the scraps. What do you mean by pick up the scraps? In, the, in, the, in that town, they were, they were harvesting wheat and barley. And when they finished cutting down those, those leaves and the... And the, and the uh, things that are attached to the barley, they will bring the entire bunch and they will beat them on the floor against the stones. And whatever is left over that comes out of those, they will take it to the barn. But after they take whatever they can, there will still be leftovers, scraps on the floor. And that's what Ruth was collecting from the fields. Right? But one day, Boaz sees Ruth and tells his servant, leave some wheat, leave some scraps, additional things on the field, right? And, and 
she would have been happy to take them over to her house because she got more than what she needed. And here, not only she got like, you know, what she wanted because of what she was doing, God saw her faithfulness and gave the same land that she was picking scraps to be the owner of that land. When God sees your hand and my hand doing the work on the ground, not being lazy, complacent, and saying, oh, God will take care of, but we are just out there doing, saying, God, let me do this part of mine. And God sees the, 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 the effort that you're putting in and the work of your heart. And he says, let me leave some more scraps for him. And that's what he does. And that's why the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, no eyes have seen, nor ears heard, nor entered into the heart of the man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. When you go to Starbucks, uh, there is like always a long line. I'm, I'm always amazed by how the, the line in Starbucks is so long, right? And, and the reason why it is so long is because every time somebody orders their coffee, every time somebody orders a drink, they pick up the cup and they start to put the coffee powder. Then they put the streamed milk and then they will close the cup and they bring them out. And that's why it is taking time because they are preparing the coffee. But the Bible says that the things that which God has prepared for those who love him, even before we ask him, he has already prepared what you need and he will provide that to you. He's already prepared the blessing for you. You don't need to think that God takes time because he hasn't prepared what you have asked for. God says, I've already done that. The Bible says, the last thing, first, God will use men to bless you. God will use men to be a provisional point for you. The second, God himself will become a provision for you. Number three, God will use your hands to become a provision point for you. And number four, God will use the hands of your enemies to become a provision for you. In the book of Numbers, chapter 14, verses 9, it says, Only do not rebel against God, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them. And then the Lord said to them, the Lord is with us, do not fear them. Here it is talking about the enemy taking over the land. We think about the prison system that could potentially take this land. You know, at one point, everybody said that this prison system is going to be a next industry. And that's why like a like a medicine, like a, like a banking. Prison is an industry. They created an industry out of it. The guys like Warren Buffett, you know, has invested on this industry. There are mutual funds that are funding this industry, like a CCA, Correction Corporations of America, is funding this industry. They could have easily taken over this industry to the next level, but my God says, no. 
I'm going to stop this enemy from taking over this land. I'm going to use this enemy to bluff. And that's why when we go into the prisons using the Proverbs 26 banner, the prison industry is opening the doors for us to work with them because God can make even our enemies to work on our behalf. This morning, here's what I want to conclude this message. In verse 14, where Abraham named the place Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. He didn't name only God as a Jehovah Jireh. He named that place Jehovah Jireh. Hmm. I was thinking, what does it mean? And so I went back to the place where they were standing. So I traveled to that place, Mount Moriah, to see what is significant about this place, Mount Moriah. Not that, uh, you know, this was like a prophetic word from Abraham at that point, that this is a place where God will provide. God provided ram for Abraham. But a thousand years later, at this very same location, King David brought, bought a threshing hole floor from a, a man named Aranua and built an altar for the Lord for the plague may be held back from the people of Israel. So King David buys a place in Mount Moriah and just builds an altar to take away a plague. After David's death, King Solomon built his temple on Mount Moriah. Right? 400 years that the temple was there in the same very mountain where Abraham had his son about to be sacrificed. And when Nebuchadnezzar came in 587 BC and destroyed the temple and took the people captive into Babylon. For 70 years they were in Babylon and when they came back they built a temple on the very same mountain called Mount Moriah. Centuries later, King Herod built the structure which was called the Herod Temple. This is the same temple that Jesus cleansed was sitting on Mount Moriah. This is the same mountain on which Jerusalem was built. The city of Jerusalem was built on the Mount Moriah. This is the mountain where God provided an alternate to pay for your sins and my sins. This is the mountain where the Lord provided for us a ram that was sacrificed 2,000 years ago on the very same place where Jesus was sacrificed as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world was on a city named Jerusalem that was standing on top of Mount Moriah. Then in 70 AD, the Roman armies led by Titus, the son of the emperor Vespasian, uh, you know, when he destroyed the temple, all it remains right now in that mountain 
called Mount Moriah, even today is called the Western Wall, a wailing wall that the Jewish people take a pilgrimage to that very same site to pray for the Jews. For centuries, they have still the one wall left behind after the entire temple was destroyed. And they're going and just like a wailing over the walls. And that wall that they are railing against, they have no idea that this is the wall and this is the mountain that Abraham blessed and said, the Lord will provide. It was a prophetic word that Abraham said at that point in time, 4,000 years before Jesus was born, Abraham was saying, the Lord will provide for you and me a salvation from this very same mountain because he is a God of a provision. He is a God who provides. I do not know what you have today morning, what your need is this morning, but God is saying, I am willing. Are you willing to give up your Isaac? God is saying to you and me, are you taking me seriously this morning? Will you go all the way? You don't need to wait on the lines of Starbucks, like how they are preparing. The Bible says that he has already prepared something for you and me, and he is waiting for you and me to look up to him because he has already provided for you a mountain on which he stands to provide this morning. When we look at him, look at him, and see him, we don't see like how he sees. He doesn't see you and me with our problems. Instead, he sees you and me from the eyes of the Savior who died on that rugged cross. Jehovah Jireh, he is my provider, and his grace is sufficient for me. Brother Vince. Thank you, Brother Cyril for the message sent directly from the Holy Spirit through your lips. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. The Lord sees and provides. We look through Isaac and Abraham and everything that we talked about, the emotional conflict that he started with when he was given that command by God, the sacrifice of his son, the, 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 com, the confusion of his servants, and just just how we go through that when God wants us to do something and we question. Just like the example he gave of our sick children, how we want to be transferred that to us. We don't want to see our children, our own children, our family members sacrifice. So you can imagine what Abraham was going through. He's reminding that there's no situation God cannot handle. He is sovereign and controls everything. So when you're going through these tough times, only God can lead you out. Just reminding that that's such an uh, important statement and truth that there's no money or counselor or therapist or friend that can get you out of every situation. Only, there's certain situations that God can only get us out. You know, we have to take God seriously. We have to truly, truly fear him. That's a true respect. And are we taking him seriously? 
are we willing to let go? As, as Sarah said, who is your Isaac? And I'm reminded of the example Cyril gave is to find out, look at your bank account. Is that an Isaac? What, where are you spending your money? Where are you spending your resources that you've been given from their almighty God? Four ways which God provides through man and women, through another man and woman. Just like the example of our prayer line, our prayer line, where people have seen God has provided through our prayer line. That's, I'm, I'm a perfect example of that. And in turn, they will bless someone else. God will use it through, he provides through your own hands to solve a problem. And fourthly, God will use the hands of our enemy for his purposes. And God doesn't see us as we see ourselves, which, thank goodness, he sees, a, he sees the ram in the thicket as a provision for us. So when he sees us working our hands and work and our effort, he works through the heart and he provides. I'm going to conclude with the verse from Luke. It says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put in your bosom. For the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Amen. Sir. Amen. Lord Jesus, we bow before you in humility and ask you to examine our hearts today. Show us anything that is not pleasing to you. Reveal any secret pride, any unconfessed sin, rebellion, or unforgiveness that may be hindering our relationship with you. We know that we are your beloved children, having received you into our hearts and lives and having accepted your death as penalty for our sinfulness. The price you paid covers us for all time, and our desire is to live for you. As we take the bread representing your life that was broken for us, we remember and celebrate your faithfulness to us and to all who will receive you. Thank you for your extravagant love and unmerited favor. Thank you that your death gave us life, abundant life, now and eternal life forever.